0: Get your day started with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration and so much more. Rise and shine with Felon DJ. Weekday mornings on Vision. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au.
1: It's okay, because I know in the end we're going to win. That's the way the Bible says you're to look at your life.
0: Hello, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear the second part of After the Cross. Pastor Jeff shares why the resurrection of Jesus can be believed, and he reminds us why His death and restoration to life was necessary for us.
1: Whatever comes your way, you're saying, world, come on, do At me, what you got. Because one of these days I'm out of here, baby, and everything I've been looking forward to will become a reality. So come on. This is
0: Today with Jeff Vines and part two of After the Cross.
1: So, what happens after the cross? I'll tell you what happens. Jesus rises from the dead. Now, let me step over into teacher mode and then I'll give application and we're done. Before Jesus and after Jesus, there were dozens and dozens of messianic movements. And they all have the same five things in common, all of them, without exception. They rose up quickly and had a tendency toward violence. They were extremely political. The leader was executed. The movement collapses and everybody goes home. Only one messianic movement did not collapse after its leader died. Would you like to know which one it is? Not only did it not collapse, but it exploded so that by 300 AD, it has saturated the entire Roman Empire and the known world so that today, a couple of thousand years removed, Christ's followers, the movement has gained momentum throughout South America and Africa and Asia. And despite what you keep hearing by the liberal media, let me tell you the truth of the matter is I want to show you a map and the places in red are the only places that Christianity is not growing. Does that bother you a little bit? Do you think it has anything to do with our affluence that we don't need God anymore? You say, hold on, Pastor Jeff, I'm looking at this map. Are you telling me that Christianity is growing down in Australia? See, they don't even respect New Zealand. It's over here somewhere. They don't put it on the map look at that, ticks me off. New Zealand's right over here. I guess that's what they mean by the end of the world. And so you say, wait a minute, Australia's blue and New Zealand's blue. You said that 93 and 97% on church. I did say that, but Christianity is growing in Australia and New Zealand because of an incredible youth movement. The older generation have given up, but there's a youth movement in Australia and New Zealand happening, I think greatly because of churches like Hillsong and CLC in downtown Auckland, churches that focus and target youth and do the parachute music festival and have a passion for Christ. There's a whole young generation now moving toward Jesus. So still to this day, Christianity is spreading throughout the world. The cause of Christ continues to go. And I just want to point out that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, you would have never heard about the man Jesus Christ. It would have been another messianic movement snuffed out. That's it. But because Jesus rose from the dead, everything changes. Now, that's the second question. What changed? Does that even matter, by the way? Does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? Listen, if Jesus rose from the dead, then everything we've read in the book of Mark about history is his story. And it's all going to become true. It means... That Jesus did not come to give us advice, but the good news that everything that needed to be done for us to come into community with God the Father was done on the cross of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Your identity is in Christ. It means that we're not moving toward destruction, but renewal. That even though our bodies are in decay. Now now think about this for a moment. How how many of you are glad that your body is just decaying? (laughs) Folks, I want to tell you, the older I get, I know I say this, but it's really bothering me right now. I think I'm in a midlife crisis. My body just will not do what it used to do. But tell me something. Isn't it true that you are more than your body? That you're, you're your soul? There's something inside this vessel, this tent that is real? Because see, my, my, my real me thinks I can still dunk a basketball. It does. It thinks it can. Problem is I go out and the body will not cooperate. And I've noticed that's happening more and more. There are things in my mind, oh, I can do that. I remember, I remember living in New Zealand and I took my family to Lang's Beach, beautiful beach we used to go to during the summer holidays. And I remember coming to a rock and I was on top of the rock and I had to jump over the sea, it was a little opening, to get to the other rock. And I remember that day, it it lives in infamy because my mind was telling me, hey, you can do that. My body though was warning me, I said, don't do that. But, I, and I, I kind of, you talk to yourself, wait, that's not very, I've done that a million times. Yes, but you're older now. And when you plant your left foot to leap, it's not, you're not going to get the altitude that you used to get. And of course, I, I told my body that the, the body was crazy and I jumped and I just about killed myself, <laughs> holding on to the rock. I mean, it was terrible. Scars everywhere trying to climb up. So you know, you're different than your body, don't you? Now, why is it that the body's decaying, but the mind You know there's something happening there. You know there's a renewal. If you're a Christ follower, your mind is being renewed. You're learning more and more about Christ. You're learning more and more about how God sees the world, about how God sees your life. And you know that even though the body's moving toward decay, that your soul, your spirit is moving toward life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. How can you both live and die? It's the body that dies. The soul, the spirit lives forever. But it goes beyond that. You remember if you read 1 Corinthians 15, you get a new body when you're in heaven with God. You know that, right? You don't just float around like a some kind of hologram, some spirit with fluffy wings. That's not heaven. What fun is that? There is a new heaven, there is a new earth. It's a reality. And you're given a new body, according to 1 Corinthians 15, that's indestructible. It is a body, though. It's just a new body. It's not a earthly-type body. It's a heavenly-type body that still encapsulates your soul. But this body's indestructible. I mean, it's amazing. I wish I could have the time to go into all that. There's a Greek word that suggests that the new body will not be subject to the laws of physics, which means that we're we're not limited by time and space. That if I want to go to Mars or if I want to visit the planets or the galaxies, I can. I know that's freaking you out. And that's another sermon. But it's good It's good stuff. And the Bible says that whatever we experience here and now, in Romans eight eighteen, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That there are scales. And if we compare what we go through now with what will one day be after we're in heaven for the five billionth year and we know it's never going to end, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to say, wow, life was pretty tough. But man, compared to what I have now, there's no comparison. Isaiah, Amos, the prophets continually wrote about a new heaven and a new earth, a healed material creation where there's absolute wholeness. That is the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, repent for it is at hand. Shalom, the Hebrew word that we translate as peace, means much more than that. It means complete healing and restoration of all creation, that we will be reconciled to God. He will be our God. We will be his people. We'll be reconciled to nature where the lion will lay down with the lamb. We'll be reconciled to one another, to ourselves. No more emptiness, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more worry, no more death, no more dieting. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Can I get an amen? Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says to the extent that that future is real to you, it will change everything about how you live in the present. This is what I'm trying to get you to see. If you're able to go fast forward and you know that in the end you're going to win and everything for which your heart longs becomes a reality and whatever you lost is replaced to an infinitely greater degree, is it not going to change the way you live now? Aren't you going to have less stress? See, I've got a point to make here. If I've recorded the Dodger game and I want them to win, which is highly unlikely, but let's say I did. <laughs> if I wanted them to win and then some bad things happen in the game, but I knew they were going to win, I would have less anxiety, wouldn't I? Because I'd say, man, that's okay. It's okay because I know in the end we're going to win. That's the way the Bible says you're to look at your life. It's, I, I'm sorry, but I have to use the same example. I, it's the only one I know. and I haven't found one better. It's like vacation. What is your attitude the week before Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. You're at work and somebody says something to you and you say, go ahead and say what you want. Cause on Monday I'll be on the beach in Hawaii and you'll be working right here in his office. Your boss says something to you. What's your attitude? Go ahead. Say what you want. And there's just an excitement all week. You know, I'm out of here. I'm out. of Right. Well, the Bible kind of tells you that should be your attitude. That whatever comes your way, you're saying, "World, come on, throw at me what you got. Because one of these days, I'm out of here, baby. And everything I've been looking forward to will become a reality. So come on. Is that all you got? That's the attitude. Because you know you're going to win in the end. Even when we lose people we love. You know, I told the congregation last week that Adriana, I'm really struggling because I miss her. I miss the time we had together. I miss, I miss what she taught me. But don't make a mistake now. We mourn. We mourn at loss, but we mourn in a different way than the world mourns. We do not mourn as people who have no hope. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The people that we've lost, the people that we love, we know we'll see them again. I'll see my mom again. I'll see my dad again. I'll see my buddy, Tim Price again, my golfing friend in Zimbabwe. I look forward to that. He's probably playing golf in heaven. Have you ever been to a family reunion? Have you ever been, you know, when you haven't seen your friends for a long, long time, it's pretty special. Now you wouldn't want to come to my family reunion because they all look alike because I'm from the sticks in Tennessee, remember, and there's some problems there, but that's another story. (laughs) The point I want to make is that there will be a great reunion one day of all the people we've lost, so we don't mourn. It's not the end.
0: This is Today with Jeff Vines. You're listening to his message after the cross. Thanks for joining us. Let's
1: continue. But I've saved the best for last. Now, this is how I want to end the message. There's something else. Have you noticed how when you read the Bible, certain passages speak to you depending on the phase of your life that you're presently in. It's always relevant, but depends on where you are. Well, there's a part of this whole story that really speaks to me. Remember a couple of weeks I told you, I think it was last week I told you that the time is close where I'm not going to talk about my illness anymore. Remember that? A lot of you said, thank God, thank God. And what I want to say to you this weekend, the time is closer that I'm not going to talk about my illness. (laughs) Closer, but it's not here yet. (laughs) Here's what happens. According to Luke chapter 24, Jesus makes an appearance to the disciples after the resurrection. Now, you do know that Jesus made an appearance to over 500 people. And the apostle Paul says, You can still go and visit them because most of them are still living. The reason he does that is this is a book of history, not myth. And if you want to corroborate what Paul is claiming, then you go talk to the people who spoke with Jesus. But now Jesus is appearing to the disciples. In verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened. Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. You know why this speaks to me so much? Because when Jesus was in that room with the disciples and he held out his hands, the disciples were able to see that the scars that they thought destroying them had actually saved them. That the scars that they thought had ruined their lives had actually saved their lives. And right now all through this audience there are people shaking their heads up and down and the reason why is because they've had a time of darkness and they know exactly what that means. Can somebody tell me why? that my praise for God is higher than it's ever been in my life. I wake up every morning, and the first thing I say is, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I didn't do that before. Why do I do that now in the deepest, darkest times of my life? Why? Why do I sing in the shower now? And I don't sing tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. <laughs> I sing worthy is the lamb. Worthy as Why? Why? What happened? And I'll tell you what happened. Before, Jesus was my Lord and Savior, and now he's my friend. Because there's no way I can make it through what I've had to go through without Jesus revealing himself to me in the way that he has. The scars are not killing me, they're healing me. This past Monday night in prayer meeting, I asked people to raise their hand if they were experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing in this illness. About 80 people met me over there in that room. We had to divide them up into two groups why did I do that? I did that because I care. And I know what they're going through and I want to help. The compassion. As I said before, the tenderness I have with my wife now because I, I don't know how long I'll have her. We don't know. There are no guarantees. The tenderness is with my children, the patience with my children. This whole thing has changed me. But I gotta confess something to you and I think you're strong enough and mature enough to take it. I learned a few things about myself and I'm continuing to learn. I'm almost ashamed to admit to you that I've learned through this whole experience that I am afraid to die. What? You're a pastor. Yeah, I've preached all the sermons about heaven and what waits. And I believe them. And most of those sermons were for my benefit. So if you didn't get anything out of them, I did. <laughs> but I realized I have a fear of dying. Ah, let me change that. I had a fear of dying. I realized before I could go past this anxiety that I would have to deal with this. And I've made my peace with it. And I'm okay to die. Do I want to die tomorrow? No. No. But God is sovereign. And the reality is not one single person in this room has any guarantees of tomorrow. And neither do I. Why should I be different? And the Lord revealed to me that I liked the world just a little too much. It's okay for us to like the things and the gifts that God gives us as long as our primary allegiance is not here. Elizabeth Elliot said that our home is not here and God is forever wooing us unto himself. (laughs) And I realized that I really thought I could do a lot of life on my own. I've made my peace with death and the scars have not killed me. They've saved me. Is it true what J.R.R. Tolkien said? That on the day of the Lord, everything sad will become untrue. What does that mean? It means that one day when I'm in heaven, I'll look back and I'll say, wow, God, I did not know that's the reason you allowed that into my life. I, I didn't know that. Had I known that, I would have faced the reality a little differently. And he'll say, yeah, yeah Jeff, that's called faith. Trusting in the goodwill of your father. Yeah but, yeah, but all these other things that happened when I was younger and middle-aged and when I got older, all these things, I just kind of panicked and frustrated. And I didn't know that you were doing all these, that you're the grand weaver and you were weaving all these cords through and around my life to accomplish greater purposes than myself. I didn't see that then. Yeah, yeah Jeff. That's why it's called faith and trust. Everything sad will become untrue and it will no longer be sad because we'll see all the purposes around it. And that's why Timothy Keller in his book, King's Cross, on which this series has been based, finishes by saying, on the day of the Lord, the day God makes everything right, the day that everything sad becomes untrue, you will find that the worst things that ever happened to you will in the end only enhance your eternal delight. (laughs) You hear what he's saying? Those who suffer most seem to praise God most for the contrast. On that day, all of it will be turned inside out and you will know joy beyond the walls of the world. The joy of your glory will be much greater for every scar you bear. So live in the light of the resurrection and renewal of this world and of yourself in a glorious, never-ending, joyful dance of grace. What's he saying? We ought to be people who dance. Don't do it right now. Some of you look silly, but. <laughs> you know, I, I can't help it. I can't help but think about it. Even if we can't dance on the outside, inside, we're people of dancing. I think of my friend, Tony Carvalho, one of my best friends that I met in Africa, who had polio as a youngster and was in a wheelchair most of his life. When I used to talk about heaven at church, man, his eyes would just light up. And he'd always say to me, do you realize what that means for me? It means something to me. Do you realize what it means for me? That we ought to be people that, okay, it's tough. I got that. But I'm going to win in the end. You're like my little t-ball team in New Zealand when we were up 10 runs in the final inning. They'd all just dance around, we're going to win, we're going to win. And you're supposed to be like that if not on the outside or the inside. You're going to win. And I've seen the end of your life and I know how it occurs. It's the day of the Lord and you will fall down on your knees and you'll say, worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth. Worthy is the lamb who rose from the dead and made life possible for me. That I could come into the presence of God and live for eternity. And although, quite frankly, it's so out there, I have a hard time understanding or comprehending, and no ear has heard, no eye has seen what God has prepared for those who love him, I know in my soul, because my soul is not aging, only my body, and I know internally that I'm moving towards something that is wondrous, that is beautiful, that is far beyond my imagination. And all the things for which my heart has long will become a reality, and I will sing worthy, worthy is the lamb. And if that doesn't fire you up, there's nothing I can do for you. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the book of Mark. We are thankful for this series. It has truly been remarkable. And we pray in Jesus name that our eyes would be open to the reality of where we're headed. That we know in this world, we will have trouble. That we know there will be persecution. We know there will be times of darkness and difficulty. But even in the deepest darkness, the brightest light shines. We know that there's not only light at the end of the tunnel, but there's light for all of eternity, that you will be the light of our lives. And everything for which our heart longs will become a reality. And all that has been lost will be returned to an infinitely greater degree, that there will be restoration and reconciliation between us and you through the cross And we thank you, and indeed, indeed, worthy is the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's the end of his message after the cross. Join us next time for another inspiring presentation. To hear more right now, you can head to the Vision Christian Store, that's visionstore.org.au and click on Jeff Bynes. Today with Jeff Bynes, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life.